This Week in Startups is brought to you by Help Scout, the customer service platform built for starting and scaling up. Eligible startups get Help Scout for only $50 a month for their first 12 months. Visit helpscout.com slash twist to learn more. Zapier, the easiest way to automate your work. It connects all your business software and handles the work for you so you can focus on what matters most. Right now through February, try Zapier free for 14 days by going to zapier.com slash twist and Health IQ. Take as little as 20 minutes to save up to 41% on life insurance premiums compared to other providers at healthiq.com slash twist. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of This Week in Startups. If you follow me on the Twitter, you know I got knocked on my ass back in December over the break. I got some terrible flu or something. A lot of people got hit with it. And I uh, was so beaten up over three weeks of fighting this thing, the worst I've ever had in my life. I uh, had to get IVs. I didn't have to get them. I guess I elected to get them. And uh, I tweeted it to get a little sympathy and uh, to flex that I was getting IVs at home. Okay, boomer. And uh, a fan of the podcast reached out, fan of the pod, Brian Moore. And he is the CEO and founder of Orico, um, not Oracle, Orico, uh, O-R-R-E-C-O.com. And he said, hey, I'm a fan of the pod. I was uh, seeing that you're sick. Uh, That's terrible. I run a blood company, a science company. I work with some of your friends uh, in the NBA and other teams. And uh, hey, here's some things to help you recover and, and maybe avoid getting sick to begin with. And I clicked on the link. You know, he didn't ask to be on the pod or wasn't selling anything. It was just, you know, here's some uh, advice to keep yourself resilient and to not get sick. And I clicked on Orico and I looked at your website, Brian, and I was like, well, this is brilliant. I asked you a couple of questions and I said, hey, next time you're in San Francisco, do come on the pod. And here we are, Brian Moore. You're in San Francisco and you're on This Week in Startups. Uh, welcome to the program. Thanks very much. Pleasure to be here. Uh, now, you're from Galway, Ireland. That's right. Wild West. The Wild West. I've been there myself. Uh, did you guys ever... Um, widen the road between Dublin and uh, Galway? Because yeah. I was there about 15 years ago and you could fit about two and a half cars. Yep. And the way you guys drive those double-decker buses is terrorizing. Uh, yeah, it's good for the um, reaction time and for the uh, for the nervous. But it is wider than like two and a half lanes it for is, three cars? It is now. We decided that the grass growing down the middle, that was just, you know. Uh, yeah, superfluous. Was, absolutely. So yeah, it's uh, we're now... Um, we've got a full motorway. It's two hours straight to Dublin. So next time you really? fly, yeah, it took me about four or five when I we went do. back in the day. You'd probably stopped for a pint somewhere though, didn't you? I did, um, and then I went to the Ring of Kerry and uh, Cliffs of Moher and all that, and literally those double decker buses. Yeah, they scare you. We're barreling down the highway, and uh, I had been provided like a, a very wide BMW, to which I, the my girlfriend at the time, lost. You lost the left hand b- mirror. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say lost the BMW. No, the BMW was fine. The left-hand uh, mirror was gone. Right. Because of those roads. I'll leave it at that. Tell me, uh, I, you know, Orico, uh, I know or in uh, Irish is gold. I don't know if you knew that. That's right. Thank you very much for that. That's very helpful. Uh, so I don't know, but, and obviously Rico, I'm not sure what that stands for, but- Recovery. Oh, recovery. Gold ah, recovery. Ah, so recovery. Got it. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I know that. <laughs> uh, so what is it that Orico does- uh, and uh, who are your customers, and why do they give you money? Sure. So we um, look after some of the best athletes on the planet. Our job is to help them to optimize their recovery and to play as long as they can, and we do that using biomarkers and uh, 
data science, machine learning. So take small amounts of blood and give them insights about how their body's adapting to the training, the games, and then help them recover to perform their best on any given day. Uh, okay, so it's like Fitbit for professional athletes in yeah, a way? Yeah, absolutely. We'll take the, the all the data out of uh, your Fitbit in terms of the, the distance you traveled, um, the, the intensity you're working at, but it's like that really super high end we take like for a pro athlete if you're in the nba you've got second spectrum data in your game like how many passes you're making um ah. how many minutes you're on the court your accelerations your decelerations and then we'll also look at your training data so in the training facility and map that all together because that gets pretty complicated very quickly so are you pulling blood as well and if so how often and what quantity that's a great question so we we started off and we were taking venous sampling, so two or three tubes of blood, and we're getting really lots and lots of information around your immune system, around like muscle damage, around your um, hormones, how everything, how again, how you're adapting to your training. And we realized, and that was great, you could do it maybe once a quarter. Um, in Olympics, they'll probably do it once a month. They're more used to it. And in the NBA, for example, there's a CBA. So you can't, there's limits to what you can... Collective bargaining absolutely, agreement. Absolutely, yeah. Sorry. So the players have fought, perhaps against their own best interest, to have their blood taken as little as possible? No, I think there's just, there's kind of rules and regulations to make sure that the at the, the information is being used um, to, hel to help the player, which ordinarily Okay, so it's a be. privacy issue. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. But there is some concern, I guess, from the players' union where I'm just interpreting this, much like people who own cars and have black boxes in cars, that this data could be used against them, perhaps in a contract negotiation where they could be suspended. So putting aside uh, using substances that you're not supposed to use, you're not checking for that kind of stuff anyway. No, not at all. Um, right. No, we're partnered with the NBA Players Association. We're their official bioanalytics partner. Got it. So they went through all our evidence because there's a lot of, you know, noise in the space. So they right. made sure that we have 300 peer-reviewed papers, we have 16 PhDs on staff. They could see what we have. And they said, okay, if you're an athlete and in your in your own time and, I mean, the off-season in particular, when you do a lot of heavy work, that they suggested that, you know, their athletes come to us. So can you say which teams you work with or a team you work with? Sure, some of them. Yeah. Um, some we've signed confidentiality, so okay. come after my children's children's children, Yeah, which is fine. Um, but uh, yeah, the teams we can talk about are the Dallas Mavericks. Okay, so my Mark, boy Mark Cuban. Mark, Mark, yeah, he's he's fantastic. So like, yeah. open to new ideas, but equally very, very, um, he has a low tolerance, I would say. I know you don't have a swear jar anymore, but he has yeah. a low bullshit tolerance. Like, yeah. You know, he'll, he'll find out very quickly if you're... Uh, if, if it's legit or not. Absolutely. And uh, his trainer, Casey Smith at the Mavs. So we, we start, you know, we work with the Mavs also, do some work with um, Chelsea Lane, the Hawks. Got it. And um, yeah, we're, it's kind of designed there to optimize their players. So uh, of the players, they have 15 people on the roster, I believe. Yeah. Um, how many of them elect to do this? Are they a do they have to elect to do this or is it mandatory? It's it's completely optional okay. um, for the team. So um, it's there to help. So Casey would say, I think 14 of the 15 players will okay. uh, um, will, do, will report. So the players are into this. Absolutely. They can see, because it's brand new. Yeah. They can say, okay, this is giving me, this." the feedback is, man, that's exactly how I feel. Ah. So, so you mentioned biomarkers. Mm. Um, explain to a neophyte what a biomarker is. Uh, and what you learn from them, and is what you learn from them 
in that biomarker at the moment or the biomarker over time? They're really good questions. Um, well, yeah, that's why, I, that's why I'm the host of the show. <laughs> yes. We've done a thousand of these. So. Okay. Well, it shows. But thank you. I appreciate it. Shows. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, a, a biomarker is a biological marker that gives you like an indication of uh, of a process, something that's going on in your body. Okay. So, we, so it's a generic term for something going on in your body. Exactly. Yeah. And we could be, you know, we look at cells, for example, or, or hormones. So like your red blood cells carry oxygen around your body. Gotcha. Your white blood cells help with your immune system. So um, we look at things things like inflammation in your system and we'll understand what's exact, what's happening day to day. Some of the biomarkers will look back in time, some are of, of the moment. Mm. So for example, we'll look do a test, we'll look at your free radical levels and your antioxidants that's giving you a state of play like today. Like you're driving your, your Tesla, it's like a check engine light for today. Gotcha. Um, the, the free full, radicals. Exactly, and antioxidants. And the antioxidants. And the balance between the two. Got it. Um, and also we'll look at your high sensitivity CRP. So that's your, a measure of your inflammation in your body. What? I hear people, Tim Ferriss and Kevin Rose and all these doctors out there, Dr. Agus, they talk about inflammation, inflammation all yeah. the time. Yeah. And certain foods cause inflammation, certain foods reduce inflammation. Yeah. Stress, I think, causes inflammation. Absolutely. What is the obsession with inflammation all of a sudden? Because if we were sitting here 10 or 20 years ago, nobody was talking about inflammation. And the only time I heard about inflammation was if you twisted your ankle and, you, and yeah. it was something acute, like you yeah. broke your arm, it got inflamed. You twist your ankle, it got inflamed, you put ice on it. But now we're talking about whole body inflammation. Why is that important? If you'd met us, if you'd, you know, when you're driving the BMW, yeah. around, I need you to come well, in. We, we were talking about it. You yeah, were yeah, talking yeah, about yeah, it. Exactly. Nobody was listening. Yeah, that was it, really. In the very early days, not just inflammation, but some of the ideas were really far out there. So, like, inflammation is an important part of process for adaptation. That's one of the things. You need some inflammation or some stress to get better. Okay, you need some amount of it. Got it. If you get too much, then your systems become overwhelmed. And I think I was described ah. I describe it like uh, space invaders. Right. So you're you're at the bottom. There's your bases at the moment. There's free radicals at the top. Inflammation. And once they overwhelm your defenses, mm. I talked to one of the players, and they said, "Yeah." I said, "What happens then?" They're like, "Yeah, you're dead." So. But you're, ah, you're that's sick. when you crash and burn. You're, yeah, you're sick that's or injured. That's when you're exhausted and you get sick. Absolutely. And it's on a continuum. Got so it. we can use um, uh, foods like that are um, rich in antioxidants to help reduce inflammation. So antioxidants can reduce inflammation. Yes. Inflammation is healthy if I'm lifting weights. My muscles are going to get ripped up. You and need, there'll be some inflammation, which tells my body to heal it. You need some amount of inflammation to kind of to get adaptation. But and so when you pop in anti-inflammatories, that knocks out your adaptation. Huh. You know, if you're if you're using ice baths all the time, again, that'll suppress inflammation. So you and it'll actually you you'll, you'll get less return on your training. So you need some inflammation to get better. And it's just when that balance gets out of whack that then problems can happen. Mm. And we're using that as a surrogate then to say, okay, you're adapting to your load or you're not adapting to your load. Got it. And one of the things like if you get- And load means training or the workouts or the games. Exactly. But the like, exertion. Yeah. yeah, but it's like it's all like we're, if you're, you're stressed, like this, the saying in Ireland, I think it was, it was, it has to be Yates or Wild. It's like when you hit 40, you get the face you deserve. You know, yeah. so like that if you're under pressure all the time and you're stressed and yeah. you're not sleeping- and, you know, that's one of the things for us as sports scientists, you know, you get, if you're saying eat more vegetables, sleep lots, re limit your amount of alcohol, like that gets pretty old pretty quickly. You know, you can't yeah. start saying the same thing over and over again. So we use these, these, this information to kind of, that's, it's adapting to that Fitbit that you talked about. Right. So I did 10,000 steps. So what? What do I do? Right. What do I do? Because telling people, um, 
telling people what to do and why they should do it is different than them showing them what to do and showing them the data behind it. Exactly. When we get back, I want to know how many years you've been doing this and if you can claim or make any claims about the efficacy of your service, because it is a bundle of software and, um, uh, I guess, tracking and blood testing when we get back on This Week in Startups. Do you know it costs at least five times as much to acquire a new customer as it does to keep an existing one? Your existing clients are your best new clients. Don't lose them. And a startup, especially ones in the SaaS space, that's software as a service, enterprise they call it sometimes as well, building relationships with your customers is everything. And without having those rabid, raving fans, those net promoter score nines and tens who are advocates for you, your business does not stand a chance because other people have curated and built those deep relationships to have advocates in the market selling your product when you're asleep or working on something else. But you can't earn raving fans with basic software that treats customers like a ticket. They don't want to be a ticket. They want to be an individual. Help Scout was created to fix that problem. It's a customer service platform designed with your customers in mind. No ticket numbers or robo-emails, just conversations with real people. Their all-in-one product includes shared inboxes for email, built-in live chat, and a help center for self-service content, which can be embedded on your website in just minutes. As your business scales from 100 to 10,000 to a million customers, Help Scout grows with you and leaves customers with a delightful human experience. Over 10,000 of the world's most customer-centric businesses, like Basecamp, Trello, Figma, Superhuman, and Zapier, are using Help Scout to talk with their customers and build that deep bond and turn them into super fans. Eligible startups under $1 million in funding, less than two years old, can access everything Help Scout has to offer for only $50 a month. For your first year, visit helpscout.com slash twist to learn more. That's helpscout.com slash twist to get started today. And thanks to my friends at Help Scout for supporting independent media like This Week in Startups. It means a lot to the fans of this show and to me and my team. Okay, let's get back to this amazing episode. All right, my Irish brother Brian Moore is here. You know my middle name is McCabe. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, I used to use it all the time because I was trying to get my mom equal billing. Um, <laughs> and I should bring it back. Um, Definitely. I'm going to start putting it on my book jackets, Jason McCabe, Calacanis. Uh <laughs> And I think we're from Cork, uh, but you're well, from Galway, so we're a little south. My dad's from Cork, huh? so it's it's known mm. in Ireland as the People's Republic. So Yeah, People's Republic of Cork. Absolutely. They do it's think the, their own way. And, they, and it's their own capital. Yeah. So. Um, and he is with a company called Orico. You can go to their website, O-R-R-E-C-O, as in gold recovery. Um, and he provides biomarkers and uses data science to help athletes perform optimally. Absolutely, yeah. And you showed me the software before. You have an app. Um, and we'll look at it now with uh, some data removed. So we're not going to look at a specific player's uh, information. But looking at your phone, uh, you can see that the player themselves and the coach and I guess the entire coaching staff can see what's going on with the player. Yeah, this is a kind of the athlete's own homepage, really, that pulls everything into one place. Got it. So that's one of the challenges, I think. It's almost into the super app space that, okay, your Fitbit data is here, your um, uh, your sleep data, your, sorry, your training data is over here. Right. And that's where I think Under Armour got so close to getting it right. They had the three kind of pillars with their acquisitions of uh, Matt My Fitness, Endomondo, and... Um, uh, what's the, other one? the third one what uh, did the other company do uh, nutrition planning got it so um, yeah like basically 
Those are attempt. the three pillars. Three Activity, pillars. food, sleep. Absolutely. And then you need to get them to kind of all sync and talk to each other. Got it. So for a pro team, you have uh, athletic trainers, you have physicians, you have physiotherapists, Got it. Um, everybody on, on site. So Do they have sleep coaches or no? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's Do they f- travel with the team or they just call them and say, put your device in the draw and yeah. get off Twitter? Well, our app will do that. It'll kind of, it'll uh, just yeah. send you a little nudge to say, you know, because we, like, that's one thing, say, so get off your phone, but we're all on our phones. Yeah. What time do you turn your phone off at night? It's a bit of a problem for me, but what I started doing was now doing audio books at night yeah. as opposed to podcasts because the podcasts get me a little amped up. Yeah. But then I have a series of books that I read that are just incredibly boring. Okay. Um, and so <laughs> I just put on a nice own, boring book. I'm own. not going to say who. Yeah. Um, uh, zero one. <laughs> um, I'm kidding, Ben Horowitz. It's not zero to one. Zero to one kept me up all night. That's why I'm so tired. Um, actually, because you're an investor in Cam, aren't you? Uh, yeah, we were the we were the first, I think, major investors back in the first round. I I, I use uh, Cam. I think it's it's excellent. Yeah, and because uh, the athletes like they finish game at eleven o'clock at night, have to get on a plane. You know, flight three hours. And brutal, who knows? And then they land in a city at two a.m. Exactly. You have to go to a hotel at three a.m. and then get up at what noon? Yeah, it depends. Well, they go depends on the schedule in terms of their time shoot around is. But probably get some food, try to get some sleep, try and, and then get a nap. But um, actually, just on the cam, guys, if you're talking to them, um, I, I owe Matthew McConaughey like at least ten okay, beers okay, because okay. he just knocks me out. Like it's not you know when I listen to his sleep story, I'm Absolutely. I'm gone. I've never made it. Also with his movies too. There you go. (laughs) I got you, man. I got you, man. Thank you. Put a put a rim shot in there, please. Put put the if you can get me the monkey gif, the sailor. I like the pirate monkey gif. Uh, That's my favorite on the uh, interwebs. (laughs) So here in the app, we see um, they're playing their travel. Uh, and their data. Do you, do, do you have a preference for the Apple Watch or the Fitbit, or can you do both? Ingest both data. We can. We can ingest both data. Is the heart rate legit on either of those? Heart rate. It's garbage. Yeah. For to, to be honest, for real time heart rate, you need a chest strap. Like, and same applies for HRV. It's not that very. Not what is that HRV? Like heart rate variability. So the watch stuff is BS. It's a st- it's a start. It's something. It's better. How than accurate nothing. is it? Sixty percent, seventy percent. You don't use that data, do you? We, to be honest, use it as a guide in terms of um, just uh-huh. general hours. We have more advanced actigraphy, so we'll do uh, like a full on week where we'll use clinical grade stuff at different right. phases of the season for our guys. Ah. Um, but it's just a, of interest for them. You know, it's an alert to say they're not sleeping at the well. Maybe they're stressed. Maybe there's a lot going on. Um, and then it's a, as a rough guide. But for the for the high end sports scientists, we use like super, like the, the the granularity of the data is amazing in terms of what's coming off cameras. So I think a lot of the ah. the tracking now, you know, you see sometimes there's GPS units between the shoulder blades where they'll measure. Yes, I know that company. It's from Australia. Um, Catapult, yeah. Catapult, yeah. We've had the founder on the pod many times. Catapult. Uh, Mark was, I think, Cuba yeah, was an investor. He was, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think they sold that company, yeah. I think they... Well, they went they, public? They went public in Australia. Went public in Australia. Um, and then, yeah, so like in that space, you've, you've uh, Catapult stat sports and you take the outputs from those, but then we can do cool stuff now with the the tracking data from Second Spectrum mm. that's giving in-game and then connects on. It's what is a, Second Spectrum? Explain what that is. So it's a company I think Steve Ballmer has invested in where ah. they, you might see the cl- Clipper Vision where the, you're seeing like percentage makes on different passes. Ah. So it's getting more information in-game. You can't wear the uh, tracking systems in-game. So they just use cameras. Use cameras, yeah. Yeah, I heard that they're down to knowing like every single thing a player does. And this might be why James Harden is coming up with these new 
I don't know if you saw his new shot where he steps sideways or something and does his three-pointer on one leg. Nick, you can cue that up. Uh, I think you know what I'm talking about. Um, but you he- his job stuff is ridiculous. Yeah, he's got the jab step. And then there's this one where he does a step back and to the side. It's like a double step back. Yeah. It, it might have been traveling 20 years ago. But anyway, <laughs> he seemed to have worked on this. And I was talking to somebody in the league. Um, I won't say who, but, you know, top, I don't know, 25 person in the league. And uh, we'll pull it up here on the screen. I'll show it to you. But it's supposedly he worked on this over the summer and now nobody can guard him. Oh. It's a It's a crazy shot. And... He, uh, he, he pulls the ball over, and if you watch this, um, yeah, he hops on one leg, and while in the air, from, um, what do we call that? Is that the, uh, the baseline? What do you call that edge of the three-point circle over there? Corner the corner three. Yeah. So he does this corner three, but watch how he hits the left leg, right, oh. and hops up, and he's going, his momentum is going to the baseline. And he's elevating and falling backwards. The degree of difficulty is insane, but how do you guard it? You can't. Yeah. Of course, the guy's flying through the air and shooting a three. It's bonkers. It's pretty spectacular. Um, but I think this kind of stuff is being modeled through that system. What'd you call it again? The camera Sec system? Second spectrum. Spectrum. Second spectrum. Second yeah. spectrum. Because they're they've now got cameras in every court, right? Yeah, and the same. In, there's an equivalent in. Uh, uh, they have it in now in the Premier League as well. So in football, what's the Premier League? The soccer. Oh, okay, yeah, got it. Yeah. I heard you say football. I'm joking. No, in <laughs> soccer too. Yeah, yeah. And it, have they figured out like new plays and new, you know, strategies because of it? Is this taken in yeah. like the coaching out of it and made it like more robotic and algorithmic? I, I think you can, um, it helps the coaches make different calls and brings, you can, we're, our job is to help make the, right. the coach's job easier. It's never to put the white coat on and walk in right. and go, you know, oh, load management, him, him and him out or her, her, and her can't play today. It's right. more, say, trying to make them as available as possible. And I That is the goal. Make the players as available as possible. Absolutely. That's our number one goal. Um, and so why do they... You've been doing this for two years for teams? Or yeah. is this the third year? No, for we're heading into our sixth team, sixth year. With the team that's the longest running? Uh, with the team that's the longest running, yeah. What, how has it changed? We won't say the name of it. How has it changed their decision-making, signing of players, Minutes players get walk through because they're not doing it for six years to test it. No, two or three years would be a test. Yeah, four or five or six years means they're paying you some pretty penny for this. We're an expensive solution. Hundreds um, of thousands a year per yeah. team, I would assume. Yes, or seven figures. Yeah, hundreds of thousands. Hundreds of thousands. So, listen, Mark is—he's uh, not cheap, but he's frugal. He's not going to waste money, uh, at least not on that. Uh, at least not on like player optimization. So uh, any team that's doing a four, five, or six years, they got to have some thesis. What are the top three reasons? If I were to ask them, top three reasons you use this in order? Well, I'm a really nice guy. Yeah. Um, but apart from that, the charity. Yeah, absolutely. You. Yeah. No, it's. Um, I think they're seeing re um, tangible results in an individual level. It's telling them things that they they didn't already know in terms. Of, it's it's allowing you. So to it's new insights on yeah. the individual level and to look under the hood. So beyond minutes, it's to say we Got could, it. you and I can play the same minutes. You're obviously taking really good care of yourself. So, right. um, you know, yeah. so, uh, I, like I, I was up late and I'm a bit jet lagged and whatever. How does that impact on me? Got and it. then it also allows them to kind of personalize the nutrition because you might Got need, it. you know, uh, deficient in a certain. Uh, so number one is to understand the player with new data. Yes. 
And these guys are, and gals who run these companies now, they're all data junkies. Yeah. So they just, any new data, they're going to take it as an edge Well, I think to it, make decisions on playing time? In the early days, it was, you know, I think any data was like, okay, this is new data. Now teams realize, hang on a second, uh, data is fine. This, we're, we're drowning in it. It's typically ah. a small cohort of people, guys and gals who say, this is all the data. You go and figure it out and come back to me. Right. And so we're designed as a team within the team to help them, gives them another input into their data set. And then our data science team then help mine it all together. Got it. So does that make sense? Yes. And so what is the outcome, I guess, I'm getting at of, if I were to ask them, what are you getting out of this? Why yeah. do you pay for this? Yeah. So the Mavs, like last year, year before last, had zero days lost to illness. Um, of 15 players yeah, across 82 games. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. Like just over a year ago. It's Casey Smith. Um, he, he was quoted in the New York Times piece. Um, where they had zero days lost, and that's not us. That's like we're saying. Like we, had, it, it's it's basically we contributed to it. Our nutrition team went in and worked with the individuals. How many days does the average NBA player lose typically? I think it was like health? five. Like there was four to five. Four like, to five it, per it, player. I know across a team, you're kind of like six and sevens ah. because players will still play when they're feeling under the weather. Got it. It's so like, they would have six or seven days where somebody's just hard out. They got absolutely. the flu. They can't get on yeah. the court. Yeah, they're not on Twitter though, saying oh. What was yeah. me? What was me? Look at my IV. Yes. Crying like a baby. <laughs> well, you can't, as a pro athlete, you can't have an IV. Because there's, there's rules around how much. Uh, they can't do an IV? No, there's rules around. Post game, can they do an IV? There, it's, there's really strict rules around IV use. Wait a second. Yeah. That makes no sense to me. Why? What's the justification? I think, it, well, particularly in Olympic sports, that there's, and in, uh. and in the, the Premier League um, and in, in anything that's associated with the World Anti-Doping Agency. Got it. There's very strict rules around how much you can um, use in, a, in an infusion as an anti-doping procedure. Really. Got it. All right, when we get back from this quick break, I want to know about that EPO and how you think about what supplements and what techniques and how the world thinks about it should be legal versus not when we get back on This Week in Startups. Hey, everybody, we're back with our Zap of the Week from Zapier. You know Zapier makes you happier. And at launch, we use project management software to track all of our different projects like you probably do at your company. We have so many projects and things are constantly changing here that our associate press created a Zap that updates our Slack channel whenever things are changed. This is really helpful. So this Zap gives our organization real-time updates on what's changing on Monday.com. If you haven't heard of Monday.com, project management software and this makes us so much happier zapier as you know is the easiest way to automate your work so i want you to study everything you do and then write down on a piece of paper something you do that takes more than an hour a week and i want you to consider is there a zap you could create that would make this process seamless and take it off your plate that's what we do here and it works so well you can instantly engage with leads and send them your CRM in a spreadsheet, let's say. Or you can integrate with 1,500 different applications. You know all the applications they have, whether it's Google Docs or Airtable, Asana, uh, Squarespace, whatever. All these sites have uh, APIs. So I want you to go to zapier.com twist to connect the apps you use most. And you're going to join more than 4.5 million people who are saving an average of 40 hours per month using Zapier. Right now, through February, try Zapier for free by going to our special link. Yeah, that's right, free. You don't have to uh, spend a bunch of money. You can just use it for free. Zapier.com slash twist. Z-A-P-I-E-R dot com slash twist. That's Z-A-P-I-E-R dot com slash twist. 
for your 14-day free trial, zapier.com slash twist. Zapier makes you happier. All right. It's a great episode. And um, actually, uh, Mark Andreessen is watching the live stream, and he's got a question. Oh. So when we get to the fourth – he's a big fan of the show. So when we get to the fourth segment, I'll, um, I'll have uh, Mark Andreessen come on and ask the question. Um, he's a big fan of the pod. Uh, so – when we left, I want to talk to you a little bit. I know that you had studied EPO. You got into this because your parents were... Both my parents were biomedical scientists. Yeah. So, yeah, my dad was in hematology. You were in the blood business? No, like, I, last thing I wanted to do, like, I love sports. But your parents were in the blood business. Well, yeah, my dad was, a, like, a young, like, um, he was one of the youngest uh, chief uh, biomedical scientists in hematology. My mom yeah. did cytology, studying cells, and so cervical cancer. Really? And, yeah, so... Um, but all, all I want to do sure is Sure you guys aren't vampires or something? No, like we some do, yeah. Vampire we do, we do, cult we, from Galway? We do collect blood, <laughs> you know, and st- like, do you like the dark? <laughs> so, I re- uh, you get into this in college. Yeah. And you're studying blood in college? We, when did you first get into blood? Really, I studied physical education, sports science, ah. and, and the place I wanted to get into was a place called Strawberry Hill in London. It's a, a PE t- teacher training college ah. for. Um, you want to be a gym phys- teacher? Phys- uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, it was. I, I wanted to be a pro athlete, ah. and I said, "What's the a way I can definitely get paid to play sports?" Right, and I was like, "Gym teacher." Perfect. I can get in there and start. What was there. your sport when you were? It was kid? track and field. I, I loved running. Those oh, like really? Them. Yeah, I was an endurance runner. Really? Yeah. Marathons? Yeah, yeah, marathon? I, yeah. I've run around Boston once, London twice. Really? What's your so, best time in Boston? Three ten. Three ten? Yeah, you know it was awful. I broke four hours once in New York, but three ten. Yeah, but, oh, but it was a really bad. Why race. are Irish people good runners? Is it because we have big quads? <laughs> well, I think we're we're huge not, quads, right? We're, we're not we. Uh, is it the trunk? It's the trunk, right? I, can't I mean, see I have her. giant quads. You have them too, right? <laughs> no, it's true that Irish people are good runners. We do have good runners. We have like the great best. Great runners. We have Sonia Not Sullivan. like the English people with those stick legs. You know what I'm saying? Well, they like. Hey, I'm pretty much Irish. They, <laughs> Charles. Well, right, Charles, it's not all about you. Yeah. <laughs> He's back there, Sir Charles, in the control room. <laughs> Okay, he well, objects. It's Charles, not a courtroom. <laughs> you don't get to object, Charles. <laughs> Charles, well, I like you. I like I. I English. I was. It gave us a lot of sports. Ah. So association football, yeah. cricket, rugby. But the Greeks gave us the marathon. There you go, absolutely. Yeah. And um, but I, the Irish have had a good showing do. in running. Yeah, we have. We've had phenomenal athletes. We still and we still have uh, you know an up and coming coming crop. As yeah. But I work with Sonia Sullivan, who's our greatest ever Olympian. She won s- silver in Sydney and uh, what, what multiple sport did she do? Sonia? Track and field, track five five k. She was um, wow. yeah, she's second in. Uh, what what Sydney. makes up for the? I mean, we might as well just go there. Uh, the regional differences when you look at is it is it is the blood involved is genetics involved in long distance running because the Ethiopians have just been tremendous in their winning and there is a biological case for this correct yeah there's well it comes back to you you asked me how, how this got started so my yeah. very first day in university I landed and I just all I wanted to do was be a gym teacher right. um, love physiology and on that day Moses Kiptanui the world champion Olympic silver and world medalist ran past me and no I was just like, randomly in London randomly it was in well as far as I knew so I just I was like oh my god that's Moses Kiptanui like I've been watching him every Friday night on somebody the TV somebody who can do what like a 2 and 20 oh, he, he broke uh, 8 minutes for the 3k steeplechase like so that's effectively not far off 2 sub 4 and it was back to back over jumps in water that's bonkers. It is. And you were saying about my Boston Marathon, I did 310, but I did a 40-minute 10K and then a 20-mile cool down because I got uh. the, uh, I got the uh, pacing all wrong. It was terrible. 
felt so yeah. bad, so bad. Anyway, uh, Moses ran past me. I'm like, oh my God, I might never see him again. This is like, I was 17, dropped my bag, full Forrest Gump, ran after yeah, him. Yeah, I'm picturing it here. There you go. And um, basically then, uh, I was- You being, didn't catch him. No, I didn't. He was on the shoulder going, oh my God, like what, I've been chased by some lunatic. Yeah. Um, but then in the jigs and the reels of it, about six years later, I was in his, six years later, I was in his house taking his blood. Because I got, so in that meantime, I did an undergraduate dissertation and to see, like, is, there, is the blood of an athlete different to the blood of a non-athlete? And is the answer is there's certain numbers that are a little different, but... Um, and But that's from, that's not, that's uh, nurture, not nature. Yeah, there's, like, there's different things. When you train really hard, your blood, blood becomes a bit more dilute, so the, ah. the plasma volume expands, so it can flow easier, so the counts drop. Um, there's loads, it's, re- it's, ama- it's amazing. Like, I, I wrote my PhD, I put at the start, it was um, a, a physiologist from the 1800s, a pathophysiologist said, blood cells are like um, cut flowers. They don't last, but it's a tribute to nature's recondite harmony. Despite life's perturbations, they're maintained within narrow limits. So your body's constantly regulating all everything all the time, which is mm. amazing. So if things jump out of range, then you know it's significant. And right. what we do is, you know, if you, if you, when was the last time you got a blood test? Like uh, a month ago. Okay. And when you got the results back, there were oh my god i mean we did 15 vials i got this crazy doctor oh, yeah. you know i'm like in this concierge uh level of doctoring now it's yeah, pretty yeah. fancy and then white glove yeah it's pretty crazy you get a round they, of applause like when they gave exactly. you the and i did my, my wife sends me for this thing they took i think 15 vials they did every the woman at the blood testing place was like what is going on are you okay yeah. like i've never seen this before and i'm like yeah this is just rich rich people problems where like <laughs> they literally are testing me for everything yeah like I'm an athlete, like, and I'm like, yeah, no, I, I had a crawler this morning like, <laughs> and, and I'm trying coffee. <laughs> Before uh, your test? No, you know, no, no, no. I did it right after. Good, <laughs> Two good. crawlers. Like, just wait. Um, yeah. So like, it's, yeah, it's, it's amazing really. Like the, the, what. So the, what about this nature versus nurture thing? We're bouncing around here a bit, but I'm curious if, uh, and I know it's a little bit third rail, but there's clearly different genetics lead to different uh, abilities that's proven and is it does that go to blood there's a genetic component to, to performance for sure um and um like you, you'll see like one, the one of the first like my phd supervisor was professor craig sharp who who um held a f- record the fastest sentiment kilimanjaro was uh, a Nobel prize winning research contributor in veterinary science mm. and then what's the fastest uh, land animal uh well most people would say the cheetah how do you know yeah i don't because craig um basically was ah. a vet in in kenya hand timed his own pet cheetah three times over 200 yards average the time and if you look up guinness world Book records maybe the guys might want to yeah. do it it'll be craig ah so he was my i was his last phd and he was like the yoda of sports science he, really and he had a pet cheetah he had a pet cheetah yeah kind of baller he was a vet like yeah he was amazing yeah I mean, as far as being a vet goes, yeah. fringe benefits, pet cheetah, yeah. it's up there. Amazing. And it like, yeah. can you imagine just saying, so slab of meat over the back and then gun in the Jeep, kind of like, that's how they did the timing. So it's yeah, like- Yeah, I would like, not want to be in a Jeep. Back to the future. Try it, getting Marty. chased by a cheetah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like the start of every nightmare I've ever yeah. had. Was, yeah. So like, um, Craig did amazing work in, in, um, in Kenya and like there's a, there's 
definitely like East African athletes. So Kenyan, Ethiopia um, are very good at longer distance. Typically, now that's not to say you can be good at, you can't be a good sprinter from East Africa, but equally the, the sprinters are coming from West Africa and there's a genomic component of it. Huh. And so there's a lot of tests now at the moment to say, or oh, I'll test my kits and I've got the, um, the ACE2 gene for like endurance or, but I think it's not, that's kind of oversimplifying it. I think it's not just if you have the genes, it's whether they're switched on or not. Got it. And so there's the, having the, the gene, gene if they're switched on, the and then there's if you tap into those genes. gene expression in context. Yeah. And I think as a, like in the future, it'll be, it's like psychoneuroimmunology, thoughts and feelings impact your nervous system, impact your immune system, your gut microbiome. But for that, we've got experts in it, like Professor Carl Schoiger handles all our genomic stuff a lot smarter than me and then Professor John Newell does all our data science because we get very excited from time to time over a new finding and he just goes no when he runs uh, the stats whereas we come back or, and then he'll but when he gets excited then we get excited what what is the takeaway that um, people are using most let's take you know Premier League or, or NBA is it how often to play players or um Diet or sleep? What What are the things that you've had the biggest impact on as a company? I think the the really exciting or, or, or the very interesting ones have been times where we flagged a player that their risk of of illness or injury is going up and and they get ah. sick or hurt. So, interesting. So you could predict that somebody might get hurt, tear an ACL yeah. or tear their Achilles because they're weak. It's more to say that they're. You can't say like you're going to tear an Achilles, but uh, you can say that your risk profile is going up because you're under recovered. And your, your, your system is under huge pressure. So like it's a combination of, um, like in uh, how this all started. Um, uh, Mark Stein did an amazing, uh, article on us in the New York Times that talked about this work. And, um, JJ Beret had kind of talked about him being fl flagging and he was feeling f fatigued and then had a soft tissue injury. Ah. So there's a lot of folks that'll so say. So when fatigued, injury risk goes up. Yeah. Obviously illness risk goes up. Yeah. But illness is. You know, gonna pass. Yeah, injury is gonna last. Yeah, absolutely. Depends, and there's like it's um there's an there's amazing practitioners in the league. Like you've got Alex McKechnie in Toronto Raptors, um like Casey Andy Barr who was at the at the Knicks. Um, it's a like we talk about the if, if your car like the the uh, chassis has to be like set up properly. Yeah, but if there's an imbalance and then you put torque through it, then boom, things are gonna go pop. Yeah. So it's gonna you have to be you know robust and strong, and then our work then helps you figure out like when to put the foot down or when to back off got it so and what impact does alcohol have on all of this yeah like it slows recovery um really significantly and you know which upsets me to say as an irishman yeah you know and I'm, I, I'm kind I, of broken up but we're kind of having them i know i know you get the kleenex over here but a, a pint is not going to help the situation period no i mean it's about balance like yeah. I, I wouldn't have an issue with the player having a pint it's it's more if there's a lot of pints because it's not just um slowing down your um regeneration also impacts your sleep i don't know if you notice off your fitbit if you have a couple of glasses of wine oh my god it's, it's terrible. terrible for me terrible terrible for me yeah so um i'm glad i mean if i drink like i'm a lightweight but sometimes i'll have one of those mccallan 18s or something you know like a nice scotch or something and uh oh my lord yeah it really does impact on you I mean, if I have two of those, my sleep, I'm, I'm like three hours in, I'm tossing and turning. It's exactly. terrible. What yeah. about cannabis? Because uh, a number of people in the league, uh, like Steve Kerr, yeah. have been proponents of it. 
taking all these anti-inflammatory drugs like Alonzo Mourning and Patrick Ewing and that generation of centers were taking Motrin or whatever, ibuprofen, like it was M&Ms, they said. Giant bowls of them. Yeah. Could not have been healthy for them. Could lead no. to kidney failure, I it, heard, or it something. can cause kidney issues. It, it, it rips through your um, your gut lining. You know, it, uh, it causes a lot of problems. And, yeah. Um, and cannabis has some anti-inflammatory properties or too soon to tell? There, I think it's 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 very early. There's some interesting um, trials, particularly around um, pain um, management for, for cancer patients. And so, like, I mean, there's obviously really important work happening yeah. there. For athletes, the a big a concern is using CBD type products is if you would if it gets contaminated and you pop a, a drug test. So uh, something to be kind of aware. It's kind of ridiculous that it's becoming legal in the majority of states in America and then you're forcing NBA players who live in those states to not be allowed to use it on the federal level. Yeah. And suspending them if they do use it when this is likely or all indications are that this is a Certainly better than taking Oxycontin or Percocet, which I also understand are like M&Ms in the league uh, and are passed around like as such. Well, I think I think you have to be, we're really lucky in the in the last uh, week or so, uh, Joe Dumars. Has, oh, join your board. He's joined our board. Yeah. Bad so, boy Pistons. Absolutely. But he's a gentleman. He's such a nice man. He is now. Yes. So Yeah, um, I mean, age will uh, take the edge off, but... Uh, <laughs> Shows a gent and uh, obviously amazing Just watch out for elbows in the, the boardroom, <laughs> quite literally. Um, All right, when we get back from the break, I want to know uh, what uh, how you landed Joe and, and what impact he'll, get, he'll make. And then also get back to this, what things should be legal, what things should not be legal in terms of getting an edge mm. with your biology on This Week in Startups. Do you average eight hours of sleep a night? That's what I'm trying to do. And you know what else I'm trying to do? I'm trying to eat more plants. I want that plant-based diet. I eat gailan. I'm eating some broccoli. I got the broccoli rob. I'm trying to be healthy. And I'm working out over four times a week. And if you're doing that, you're going to qualify for Health IQ. What's Health IQ? Well, it's the reward for having a healthy lifestyle. Health IQ uses science and data to lower your life insurance rates. Because people like us who work out four or more times a week and who sleep eight hours and who eat those greens. We deserve a better rate. Health IQ can save you up to 41%. That's right, up to 41%. Because physically active people, you know this, are going to have a significantly lower risk of heart disease, cancer, and the big one, diabetes, right? Health IQ is not just a lead generator. No, they take customers through the entire application process, and the policy is underwritten by one of their top insurance partners. These savings are exclusive to Health IQ. You can get them nowhere else, and you must qualify to get the special rate. You have to qualify. You have to eat your veggies. You got to sleep. All the things your mom told you to do, you got to work out. So here is your call to action. Find out if you qualify as elite by taking as little as 20 minutes to save up to 41%. Is that worth it, 20 minutes to save up to 41% on your life insurance premiums? Compared to other providers, healthiq.com slash twist. That's where I want you to go. Healthiq.com slash twist to save up to 41%. That's right. Healthiq.com slash twist and start the process with the Health IQ quiz. I took it. It's fun. It's easy. And there is no commitment. And you'll learn about more opportunities to be rewarded for your commitment to healthy living. One more time. Eat your veggies. Sleep eight hours. Exercise four or more times a week and get rewarded for it by visiting 
healthiq.com slash twist. It's an incredible service. And if you're not working out four times a week, come on. It's 2020. Let's do this, people. All right, let's get back to this amazing episode. All right, Brian Moore is here with us, CEO and founder of Oric. Oh, Orico. Orico. O-R-R-E-C-O dot com. It's Dr. Brian Moore because my mom will kill me if she said you work too hard for that PhD <laughs> not to have it mentioned. Dr. Brian Moore, Thank PhD. You. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank it's you. amazing. Mr. Um, so what should be legal, what shouldn't be legal when it comes to athletes? Uh, obviously, swapping out your blood that you trained at a higher level feels like cheating to me. But trading at a higher elevation does not. Yes. Do, are you, we in sync on that? Absolutely. So. Okay. Whatever you could eat in nature seems legal to me. Um, but if something is in a lab that contains hormones, hmm. is that, is taking hormones something that you shouldn't be allowed to do, like testosterone? Yeah. Yeah. So hormones should not be allowed. Yeah. But precursors to hormones- yeah. Things that facilitate the creation of hormones, okay or not okay? I, uh, to be honest, I, I think there's a very fine line between um, pushing pushing the the boundaries and cheating, and yeah. it's like it goes against the spirit of the of, mm. of sport. And um, like for me, I, like I helped in my early days, I helped validate the EPO tests. Yeah, that what is that EPO? EPO, um, erythropoietin is a hormone that's um, uh, producing the kidney, it makes your long bones produce red blood cells. If you've got more red blood cells, you've got a bigger engine and you can go for longer. Right. And it kind of ruined sport in the 90s. Right. This because is what Lance Armstrong and many other cyclists were taking. Absolutely. Yeah. And you would take these as a shot? Yeah, they were taking them um, as a shot. And what it would do would, would be, it would basically accelerate red cell production. And then when you stop taking it, you're, it decelerates. So your your marrow pretty much shuts down. But the cyclists and, and runners and endurance athletes' blood was becoming so thick that they were literally dying at nighttime they were of heart attacks. And Because um, EPO would put too many red blood cells in. You said before that the Kenyans or the Ethiopians had thin blood well, from it, running. Everybody who tr- works hard, trains hard, your um, the blood becomes more dilute to help it to flow easier so you can right. deliver the oxygen. So um, I helped uh, validate the model because people would say oh um, my numbers are off because I went to altitude and I've just come back from three weeks in the mountains so I said okay and I was getting fed up of people beating athletes that I knew were competing cleanly and fairly to do that so Sonia was another amazing example she was robbed through the 90s um, and the, one of the other so challenges brutal. about it, well, I think one of the- Well, you're sa- also up against these other countries like Russia or North Korea or China who maybe don't have the same ethical or moral compass regarding this. Well, like, I think you, if you, uh, did you see the Icarus documentary? You know, I'm halfway through it. I oh, forgot to finish it. It's like, go back and check yeah, it. Yeah, I like, got to finish it's it. It's like, if you read that in a Grisham novel, yeah. you'd be like, nah, yeah. it's too far-fetched. Right. So like- um, so I mean, ma- the basic gist of it is Putin wanted to win- he was endorsing this. Well, sport is a pl- like it can be a plaything internationally and yeah. politically. So, um, yeah, for like the sad thing about drugs, I think is that it's difficult sometimes to look at something an amazing performance and not ask ask questions. Right. That's what kind of takes the the good out of it. I do believe it is possible to compete cleanly and fairly and win. Like it was one person. I got a bit disenfranchised for a time at the in Olympic sport, but there was one person that really um that actually rekindle the spirit for me I was working with people that were coming second, third, fifth, sixth mm. and I was like is it possible to win and then Ashton Eaton the US decathlete first time I saw him in Oregon in about 20 
10, I think. I was like, oh my God, who is that? He was just running. I was like, this, this looks amazing. And he ended up breaking the world record in the Catalan, um, retained his his title, like won it twice. Oh, it was before that. It was 2000. And, and he was clean. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Cleanly and fairly. And Of the last 20 years, last 30 years, since the 80s, I think this all started in the 80s, right? A lot of it. I mean, like there's, when you were in school, there was yeah. always a kid who was going to cut a corner. You know, I think there's well, always... That kind of was me, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for calling me out. Yeah. But yes, there was a kid yeah, was in my class kid. who yeah, was look, cutting corners. Who looked like you. <laughs> Guilty as charged. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, so it's it's in nature. And I think if you go back to Greek times, there was, you know, there was... Uh, in uh, there was there was thing there was substances being used for us. We're all about can, can clean sport, like working to the limits of your potential. And then often these athletes are absolutely wired to overreach. So a byproduct mm. of people taking drugs is people who are clean have to train so much harder to try and mm. compete against them that they get hurt. Ah, so right. So that's the killer. Wow, that stinks. Of of medals won in the Olympics uh, over the last. Four decades, 80s, 90s, aughts, and the teens. Is that right? Uh, of those four decades, up till now, what percentage of those medals and the athletes who won them do you think were doping? I couldn't possibly, I couldn't honestly say. I don't know. I do, I do know there's some really good people working in the space. Like, in about, I left in 2002. I said, I want to help people go faster mm. without cheating. And But people like Mike Ashenden, Rob Parasato, he wrote an amazing book called Blood Sports. Mm. That's one to check out if you're interested in this. Ah. I couldn't say. That's the thing. That's the sad thing. Right, nobody knows. No. no but every year you have dozens of people disqualified yeah. in the drug testing process. And if dozens are getting tested are getting caught, that means dozens are getting through. Yeah, absolutely. That's a kind of a known failing. Now, they, they are getting smarter in terms of, like there's a whereabouts system where you have to be guaranteed where you are an hour of every day um, huh. for in, a, in the Olympics. And if you've missed three of those tests, then you can, that's a failed wow. test. Wow. So they're working and they're trying. Um, but I think um, my biggest thing is for the sporting public is to believe what you're seeing. And that's the sad thing about drugs and sport, yeah. uh, aside from the health risks. And there was there were some studies done of, you know, um, abnormal samples of like of in blood profiling in 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 some endurance sports. But again, I'm really focusing on the the ones that are clean and and want to be the best they can be. Have you uh, started to look into uh, the 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 impact of impact in sports? Uh, people don't think of. Uh, basketball is a high impact sport, oh, but right. obviously there's now a con concussion protocol and we've been seeing, you know, more and more of that. There's obviously injuries like ACLs and knees and, uh, meniscus and, and all that kind of stuff. Very well known stuff, but contact and concussion is a major part of the protocol. Now, have you started to think about that in terms of your models? We have, we would partner with different research groups. So because it's so broad and such a, um, uh, such a wide area and obviously we're early stage business so we're really focused in on the yeah. um getting the biomarkers right building the the ml uh analysis to build the recommended systems to, to help an athlete and then we'll f we'll feed off the latest research in if it's concussion um if there's blood-based biomarkers to degree the, the degree of it or if there is research to to minimize the impacts of concussion like evidence-based then we'll look at that too yeah so it's really we're kind of like trying to uh, 
I suppose be that kind of assistant coach for the for the client to say, okay, have you looked at this? And then he'd take this to your medical team. Has there been something that's come out of the machine learning part of this? I'm not sure where you're at in terms of dumping data into an algorithm and seeing what comes out. But a lot of times people say, you know, we're not sure exactly why the algorithm gave us this answer. It doesn't actually explain it. It just analyzes the data and says, here's the next video you, sh- you should watch. Yeah. And why it's telling you to watch that video, it, it may or not, YouTube in that example may or may not know why that came up and why the algorithm said to do it because the data sets are so ginormous. Yeah. And it may not actually be a healthy reason. So are you using machine learning to that level yet? And have there been things that have come out as recommendations or insights that are uh, confusing or surprising? Definitely. So, I mean, this is where- And what are they? It's uh, like our data science is led by Professor Newell, um, a mathematician in Ireland, and we have a data science team working on this. And we're- less of a big data but it's small data but it's really rich data sets mm. that we can really uh, dig into it and use supervised and unsupervised learning and sometimes on the on the unsupervised learning players cluster and you don't know why and that allows us to go and dig in a bit Define deeper Define unsupervised learning so it's like that we're we're using um uh basically the the algorithms are picking out or selecting cohorts of athletes um to uh, that are clustering around similar um uh, uh kind of characteristics got it and so rather than we're just using the we're not using the input on the output we're just looking exactly at just here's a data set cluster the athletes got and it. certain athletes that are performing extremely well and there's other athletes that are perform- aren't performing very well ah. and that's where you start to dig in and then you start seeing things like compromised immunity or their muscle damage is extremely high right and but they they've had the same load so you try to understand. So it's, it's, a, it's about being a 24-hour athlete. It's not about just, okay, I played X number of minutes. Got it. And that's where the really interesting insights are coming out. And then mm. then we can use this intervention with you so we can hit you with the immunical. We can use your anthocyanins, whatever. But some athletes will respond to it, some won't. So it's just about finding what works for you. Fascinating. So the algorithm might just say, hey, here are two buckets of athletes. Yeah. They all had similar playing time. You pivoted on playing time. But the result is these ones are performances off and these ones performance is crisp. Yeah. And then it's left for you to find out what happened when they're not in the game. Yeah. And the sleep tracker might give you some insights. That'll but give you some insights as well and um, this, their their food diary or if there's um, mm. stress at home or, you know, sponsor pressure. or So we work with their, their athletes' agents as well to help understand that. Got it. So the agents might be able to be a bridge to say, hey, your performance is a little bit off. Yeah. Yeah, you were and it's interesting how your performance in Miami and New York seemed to be off, but when you're, you're in about. Milwaukee <laughs> and yeah, and these other cities you seem yeah. to be getting trying you seem to be getting to bed on time, but well, for some reason in Miami it must be time zones you're crossing, I think. Well, it was known in for Michael Jordan, I mean, when he would be going to Vegas and playing blackjack until four or five in the morning and then still beating, <laughs> you know, or going to Atlantic yeah. City and then coming back and beating the Knicks. There were stories of him helicoptering down there, playing blackjack all night, coming back and just destroying the Knicks the next day. Like amazing players can do amazing things. What's, what we're trying to do is to say, let them to do that for as long as possible. <laughs> so extend the blackjack session. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah you, it's a delicate discussion because you do, as an athlete, get to have a life. You have to have a life. But the athletes who really do well, like Kobe, rest in peace, um, they sacrificed a lot in terms of, you know, when they weren't on the court, 
just how they worked out. Is there a point at which people are working out too much? Is the Kobe work ethic where he was, you know, just obsessive? Are you getting to the point where you're telling some people to back off the workouts? Yeah, absolutely. There's a there's a point at which the law of diminishing marginal returns applies, huh. where you put more in and you get less back. Mm. And using the biomarkers, and so I talked about the uh, your individual threshold. So using the um, the streaming algorithms, we'll find out what's normal for you. And then once you stay within the, in that zone, you're fine. If you start to test the limits, it's kind of like a put or call option on your portfolio. Right. Th- this is where I'm happy. But if it goes outside that, then the risk is rocketing yeah so and but if you can and you can say that to a player but if you can show them so we'll have we'll we'll have indications where and these guys and girls are wired to overreach Mm. they got to where they are by working extremely hard and we're not saying don't work hard it's just like work smart and work hard at the right times Mm. and i just saw a a quote from kobe and you talk about like the power of sport and how like outpouring of grief from around the world but he said that I am so quote he said look I with his young family the ki- the kids were waking up and I was there in the morning and I was there when they go to sleep I just chose to sacrifice sleep and yeah. we now know the impact of sleep right then you know that uh, that does have a I did see that same quote where he worked out with weights drove his kids to school got yeah. in the helicopter worked out took the helicopter back yeah, and that was the origin of the helicopter for him. Was I wanted to just pick my kids up from school, okay, and be able to be there for them, yeah, and drop them off and pick them up from school, and yeah. then still get the workouts in, yeah. Um, I mean, the work ethic was insane, uh, yeah. So Talk to me is- about continuous glucose and monitoring glucose. Are players doing that yet? Where they put the pin in them and they continually monitor their glucose, and is that important for you as a data set to know their glucose levels all the time? Yeah. And what impact does sugar have? And what's, is it, you know, is is that sugar addiction that everybody has and some athletes have, is is that really dangerous? Yeah, we, we don't use like CGM for our athletes all the time. We know um, obviously a lot of folks are doing it to understand, to regulate. Continuous glucose monitoring. Exactly, yeah. And um, particularly when they're um, maybe doing f- like, uh, fasting or trying to get into ketosis or there yeah. so we have a whole nutrition team that will work with each individual player and find out look what do they like and dislike the biggest thing we find is what's a habit you can stick with mm. and like with respect to you know if for day to day walking around with the um CGM it's not practical for an NBA player so they they have a dedicated team of nutritionists that will look look at their sugar intake we don't want buckets of sugar obviously some of them some of the athletes will um We'll, we'll, all their fueling is completely individualized. So in the off season, maybe we'll um, do some sweat patch monitoring. We'll do um, hydration testing. Maybe we'll do um, we'll monitor them every day with the with the antioxidant defenses and the free radicals in a really heavy phase of training, just to see how their body is responding. And it was very interesting. We had one player who was trying to make it back to the league and was just literally pushing, pushing, pushing. We showed them their numbers. They were really pushing the, the threshold and and were outside, they were in their risk window of getting hurt. And when we showed them objectively the data, they backed off, came back four days later and hit PBs. So sometimes PBs? like personal bests. Oh, personal terms, bests, yeah. yeah. So for them, like it's, these are finely tuned athletes. They're working at the peak of their powers and it's trying to get realistic inputs things that they can actually do do you believe in this load time in relation to the uh longevity of the athlete because now we're looking at people like lebron at 35 and i guess he got in the league at 18 or something yes 
And so, you know, can he make it to 38? Can he make it to 40, 42? We had Vince Carter play for four decades yeah. or something crazy yeah. or play in four decades. I mean, it's really three, but um, is there a correlation between the minutes per game and the longevity? Can that be proven yet? I think it's down to the, you know, what we spoke about where it's like, it's what's the impact of on you? What are you doing outside of the game to, to promote your own recovery? You know, LeBron famously spends a million dollars plus on his body every year. Um, and like we've had, like, for example, golfers as an example, um, where they can maintain one of our clients is Paddy Carrington, three-time major winner, Ryder Cup captain for Europe um, uh, for the, this upcoming tournament. And his clubhouse speed and ball speed is as fast as it was five or six years ago. So it is possible with you know with diligent training and recovery to to maintain. It doesn't have to be a downward. How long slide. do you think someone like LeBron James or uh, other athletes who are not centers, you know, not seven yeah. footers, but you know, forwards and guards? What what do you think the upper limit in the NBA will be now that we're moving to this t- level of data science? That's a really good question. I like I I can see. Well, first of all, is the drive of the athlete. These guys have like, insatiable drive, and they also yep. adapt their game. Like you were showing a, a clip. Yeah. So. Like I can see like players hitting the 40s, 41, 42, yeah. you know, doing that. And like, as long as they're taking care of their body and that the way, but the game is changing as well in terms of the, the speed of it and how it's structured. And Daryl yeah. Morey's doing interesting things in terms of. I know. I'm going to be in Houston. I just DM'd him. I was like, hey, remember you said if I'm ever in Houston, <laughs> I'm in Houston the night of the Clippers versus Rockets. Be a good uh, game. That's going to be a hell of uh, a Big game. Sense. So you started this company in Ireland. I uh, started in Ireland, yes. Yeah. yeah. How many years ago? Uh, it's just on 10 now. And you funded it yourself we, or you you took some personal loans? Yeah, we, we bootstrapped and um, then took uh, kind of sold everything I had and um, got started. And it was in the teeth of the recession. So got a European investment bank loan, Enterprise Ireland, match funded oh, fantastic. it. Oh, Brilliant. Um, and this is like what, in the million, $2 million range? Yeah. That's, yeah, we, we raised, we've only raised like... 5.5 to date wow. um, and because in how many in, employees now we've got uh, t- 30 employees now oh, wow. so super capital efficient absolutely 16 PhDs on our staff yeah um, and 16 wow. yeah, yeah they're really, my job is to hire very clever people break even yet or getting close right at break even now fantastic congratulations yeah, big milestone Thanks. and you took a personal loan a personal guarantee on these yeah loans. absolutely yeah, yeah. everything <laughs> really talk about skin in the game yeah, all in you wouldn't believe yeah it's, it's all in for sure I mean I talk to American founders and they're just like yeah you know I gotta shut the company down and you know the company can't pay me 180,000 or 190,000 a year and I'm like okay <laughs> sounds okay and like yeah I'd rather just shut it down and I'm like you're making 200,000 a year at a startup and they're like yeah well when I was at Facebook I made 350 and it's like yeah Okay. Uh, yeah. Yes, you should shut it down and you should all move on. But <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a. I mean, I was really blessed to have some. It's um, scary though for you to put that personal guarantee in. Oof. Yeah, you're really, on the hook for a milli, uh, well, half million. I, I, look, I, I think I have a very understanding and uh, wife as well, and yeah. my girlfriend at the time, and we just said, look, I have to do this. There's just yeah. no other way. This has to. I, I needed to get this information out. Like when I was a kid, I remember missing a whole summer because I had a problem with my knee, and the local physiotherapist like. It was to the kind of limit of what they'd been exposed to. When I got to London, physio went, hang on, this, this, bang, and I was back. Wow. And I remember thinking, getting so frustrated, like that your geography shouldn't dictate to you 
what the caliber of information that you can get to. So right. why shouldn't I get access to an Olympic coach? And mm. I kind of smashed myself for training. Like I got glandular fever. Like I just ran myself into the ground. I used to run with the Kenyans. I would like to be 10 Kenyans in a line and me at the back <laughs> with a red face, just like hanging in for dear life. But yeah. like, I was like, we should be able to get this information to people. And that's kind of what started. And then we work with female athletes and now the even huge opportunity on the female side. Of the Have you looked the, at tennis? We just started, actually. Yeah, that seems to me, because I'm just thinking where the most money is at stake. Well, there's a lot of money in NBA, Premier League, golf and tennis. F1. Golf? Golf, serious money. Serious money, but does, I mean, they're swinging that little stick and hitting that little ball. I mean, how much is involved? Like, does it actually matter? Oh, I mean, I look, I, when we started this, I, st- I got the missive to say you're going to work with the international sailing team and I threw all my toys out of the frame. I thought <laughs> what does anyone know what I do sailing this guys sailing I was like what am I going to do how difficult is it to like cut some cheese well, and open a bottle of Chardonnay on the deck of a sailing ship I, that's I ha- not work I had the joke with the athletes the t- sailors at the time I said um, less gin more tonic <laughs> exactly <laughs> more gin less tonic there we go but you know don't you guys sit down all the time and when I went down it was Dr. Pete Cunningham who did work with the Artemis America Cup challenger here yeah. in San Francisco you know those guys who do work amazing and then I put the kid on went down out in the boat I was like oh my god you could see they're on the water for six hours you know they're the, you know if they're doing America's Cup there's a lot of transatlantic mm. flying it was really difficult oh you know what MMA and boxers are the other one boxers a lot at stake yeah like anyone but I would argue that we all like we only get so many days on the planet if you look at like uh everything that we're doing should be around to for each one of those days to be as, as good as possible. And why shouldn't you have that information to you that'll help that the best athletes are using? You ever consider moving the company here to America and being closer to the, you know, the NBA and the, and the, your clients? Yeah. Well, I'm relocating now this oh, wow. in, to, to LA in the next, uh, in the next month with oh, my really? wife and our little, little fella, Dahi. Fantastic. Yes. I lived in LA for 10 years. It's amazing. Great. It's a great You're going to love it. I mean, it's going to be a little weird for you because it's warm every day. I know. Like, like literally, it's going to get to 55 one day, and everybody's going to be talking about how cold it is, well, and they can't take it. And you're going to want to, you're going to laugh. We we work with uh, Dr. Patrick Kazarin in the Valley. He's in SRLA, and we have a lot of the athletes who go there in the off season. And mm. I thought I'd land, we'd land in the sun. It was so hot, you know. The Valley's really person, hot, so. but it's kind of nice over there now because they got rid of the smog issues. Pacific Palisades also very nice. I lived in Brentwood when I lived there, but Pacific Palisades a lot of athletes and. Yeah. Folks live there. That's a nice place to live. Do you know where you're going to put your office, think, or is it going to yeah, be a small team? We have the office in 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 the valley in the in the high performance center uh, and um, we'll, Studio City area. Where it'll be in Encino. Oh, Encino. Yeah. Well, then you should live in the valley. Yeah, yeah, because you don't want to. Happiness is uh, happiness in Los Angeles. Yeah, is living within ten minutes of your work, fifteen yeah. minutes of your work. If you live in Pacific Palisades and had to get to the valley every day. Yeah. It's 10 miles or 15. It's 15 miles and it's going to be an hour and a half to an hour and a half. It's going to be a disaster. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, this is why Kobe got a helicopter is because he was trying to be, this is why Elon is building tunnels. He's literally started a company because he was going crazy on the 405. Yeah. Going to SpaceX. Uh, Maybe I can borrow your chopper. Yeah. You know, I have been in a chopper a couple of times and I gave a big speech to all my friends, you know, five, 10 years ago about their private aviation use. And they kind of gave me a hard time. And I said, listen, helicopters, I looked at the action terms. These things are much super dangerous. And, you know, uh, it's really important to study why these accidents occur. And when you look at this accident specifically, uh, I think what everything will show is this pilot, if he was with a co-pilot, 
and didn't have a celebrity, um, you know, uh, boss, customer, client, whatever the relationship was. Um, I think he was his regular pilot. You know, the two pilots probably would look at each other and say, this is probably not worth it. Let's land in Van Nuys and drive the rest of the way and get a, get an Uber, get a car. And I've, I've seen it up close and personal where the celebrities, um, the, the, the pilots sometimes can defer to their celebrity power customers, clients, or clientele because they don't want to disappoint them. Um, and that's really dangerous. And there's no reason to fly into like that kind of, what do they call it, soup, like just fog. And it's it's clear like this could have been avoided and the other people were not flying in this. It was so sad, really. It yeah, it's just tragic, you yeah. know, and and the majority of these crashes occur before they take off is what they always say. And the, okay. and the, and the big disease is get their itis. Like we have to get there. And, okay. you know, it, this is one of those ones that's going to clearly be... I, who knows? We'll, we'll, we'll see when all this stuff comes out. But I, I, I obsessively watch the, these YouTube channels where they talk about, and the pilots deconstruct these. And okay. there's a couple of these channels uh, that deconstruct the accidents. And I'm just fascinated by it, and especially helicopters. And it, you know, one pilot, again, weather conditions and taking off when you shouldn't, whether it was JFK Jr. going to Martha's Vineyard or this case, there's just a judgment error that occurs because of get their itis. And uh, you were talking before about who, because people are attracted, because these people are incredible athletes, you know, and they, they drive themselves, you know, people who are incredible business people who drive themselves, et cetera, athletes, stars, um, they, they sometimes just take unnecessary risk. And I was at dinner with a bunch of people who are doing hella skiing mm. and yeah. who scuba dive past, you know, a hundred feet. Yeah. And I just said to them, I said, you know, you got kids, you've been doing this for a long time. It's really high risk behavior, mm -hmm. which is why when you get life insurance, did you get life insurance ever? Yeah. You know the section I've that asks you if you heli ski? Yeah. Or ask you if you scuba dive? Like, yeah. there's a reason they're asking you on the life insurance form about those two specific activities. Yeah. Heli skiing, helicopter plus mountain, not good. Helicopter <laughs> plus mountain plus wind and snow? Yeah. Terrible idea. And every year, tragically, rich people go up in these helicopters and they roll down the mountains and they die. I'm a beginner slope kind of guy. Well, and then you look at scuba diving. There's nothing that you see at 30, 40 feet down mm -hmm. that's different than 100 feet down. And th they were like, oh, dolphins. I'm like, how many times have you seen dolphins in your life? It's hundreds. Hundreds of dolphins. I'm like, 400th dolphin any different than the 200th? Answer is no. Right? Yeah. So don't do it. I'm not doing it. I'm just trying to get through to you here. <laughs> Come on, Brian. No, I'm really talking to a lot of my friends because- there's a, a term here in uh, Silicon Valley they call toxic wealth. Okay. And what it is is people all of a sudden become very affluent and rich. This doesn't apply to Kobe. This is a separate phenomenon. Um, and uh, you know, this is a different type of tragedy, which is somebody gets rich. What's the first thing they do? They go buy a Ferrari. Mm. And then they hit the gas pedal and you there's a top speed. You want to see what it can do. Yeah. And the guy from Eagle Computers, you know the founder of Eagle Computers? No. The reason you don't is because after his IPO, he bought a Ferrari and killed himself and okay. the his lawyer on the way to the IPO party. Oh. And they just flipped a, a, a Ferrari. Yeah. And Elon got that goddamn McLaren. Um, they can move. Which was a three-seater. And he would drive in the middle. And I, I, I remember when he had the car and I remember when he sold it. Like that car is too fast for 
people for any human like it should only be on a track of mclaren at have that ever, level that have, million dollar McLaren. have you ever been to, to mclaren to the setup there no oh it's amazing is it oh, where is it based it's in woking in, in in london yeah just outside london and it's like what i imagine walking into the death star was like it was just it was so immaculately engineered it was there's some very clever people working there yeah and, and you know elon very famously spun that car out with okay. Peter Thiel in it going off an exit ramp on the 280, I think, yeah. you know, in Palo Alto. And he did like some crazy, uh, you know, amount of damage to the car. Thankfully, he survived. But this, man, to be honest, that's a like an analogy we use for the athletes that imagine if you get two cars you, and you go down to, you buy a Ferrari hmm. um, and you you go to Maranello and yeah. say, say that we all go. Yeah. Um, Charlie and Mark and we go, let's go. And we all get, but the rule is, Whoever finishes 20 laps gets to keep the car. But the only kind of rule is that you've got to max it. You've got to gun the car. Yeah. All right. And so, and so ever survives. So you, but we don't know which one's got no oil in it. We don't know which one's got low tire pressure. And that's the kind of our analogy with the, our athletes. Right. That you, you've got like phenomenal assets and you, you yourself are like, um, you're your own corporation effectively in many ways. And that if you, if you don't, take those inputs it's like gun in the gun in the yeah car without, knowing without knowing the tread on the tire exactly. and you can blow one of those out and the car flips and you know now you've got a somebody on a hundred million 250 million I, I don't know what the biggest contract in the league is now but it's getting towards 300 million now yeah there's like i mean the contracts there yeah i think yeah you know like there was there was uh, five years at 40 million a year yeah and there was three there was i think it was the 3.3 billion or over 2 billion of contracts guaranteed contracts written this summer in the Incredible. matter of days, so yeah. I mean, it's an amazing industry. Um, but that again, that's why it's so critical that the athletes are mining themselves. All right. Well, listen. Congratulations um, on a decade of grinding through this and hitting success. Well, with help, like I mean, we got um, support from, like I said, EI True Ventures came in very, very oh, early. Oh, really? True Ventures? Yeah. Wow. So who? Tony Conrad? Or? Uh, Phil Black. Oh, cool. Um, uh, came in and was that uh, the Series A or something? Series A, yeah. When did you do that? Um, we did it uh, just two years ago. We're doing huh. a, doing a B now. Okay. Um, in this quarter, and right, maybe you save a slice for Jake out. Maybe I can <laughs> sneak in there and do a quick five hundred. Well, you you are Irish, so I'm Irish. Get sneak my way on that cap table. We'll get a pint. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> Once again, this week in startups, a front for me to weasel my way and get that little tiny slice of that cap table. I don't need a big slice. That's what I always tell people. <laughs> well, to match your quads. To match my giant quads, I need a yes. tiny slice. That's it. I don't need a big <laughs> slice of one company. Just I need a little tiny slices here Just to offset. make a living. Uh, all right, listen, you've been a great guest. Thanks for coming on the pod. And thanks for um, you know reaching out to me when I was uh, sick. And it did work though, didn't it? Yeah, you got you. You po pointed me towards. I guess we can mention the product. Sure, you pointed yeah. me towards. It's called Immunical. 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 Yeah, it's made by a private company. Immunitech out of Canada. It's Immunitech out of Canada. Undenatured whey protein. So we like we don't. Um, we basically go, go source the best in class yeah. around the world. You source this or do the nutritionists on the teams already do it? Nutritionists on, no, nutritionists on our team did it and we ah. share it with the with staff. But there, are, there are nutritionists using it around, the, but we've kind of published on it. So that's the other thing. We've 300 peer-reviewed papers. Another, 300, wow. Another one out today. Because that was the, I looked at, I saw your Theranos behind us, yeah. Bill Browder. And one of the things, like it was Professor Craig Sharp, um, Craig Sharp and then Carla Bernard at Harvard we spoke to him and I, I said, Carlo, is this real? And he's like, there's no way microfluidics can do what they say it can do. Microfluidics. Well, oh, you mean Theranos? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, listen, there are breakthroughs and typically when there's a breakthrough, people can explain it. Yeah. 
And if you can't explain the breakthrough, like if you ask Elon about self-driving and cameras versus LIDAR, he will give you an in-depth reasoning of why he believes 20 cameras are better than LIDAR. Mm -hmm. And we'll be able to get to self-driving and autopiloting better. And here's his reasoning. With Theranos, when you asked her to explain it, she would just talk in generalities and not let you see the machine. So you, yeah. you just knew it was a fraud. And ironically, when you read the book, it was the same kit we used as the Siemens analyzer yeah. that was at the back. <laughs> yeah. They literally were running people's test results in a bogus machine, taking the blood to the back room. Yeah putting the result into their bogus Fugazi machine. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, listen, you're a great guest. Everybody f uh, follow uh, Orico Brian, O-R-R-E-C-O, Brian on the Twitter. And um, are you hiring now? Or? Yeah. Great. Absolutely. So O-R-R-E-C-O.com. Engin engineers, sports scientists. Great. What a great company to work for. All right. And uh, I, I got a text from Mark. He said he was listening to the, the private stream um, and he asks, Jason, I'm so impressed that impressed how your bullishness on tesla has paid off in your opinion what is your best tesla rant you ever did oh thanks mark it's a great question i thought this was for you brian but i would say my best one according to uh the the guys in the uh control room they pulled up this one uh, and thanks for the question mark is um this rant and i'll just end with that we'll see you all next time on the speaking terms it's the product stupid the product the model 3 is the greatest car ever made hands down period and if the product's that good Someone like Elon Musk, who can land two rockets simultaneously back from space, is going to figure out how to get from 3,000 cars to 4,000 to 5,000. <laughs> the fact that people are so critical of Tesla and Elon is just the nature of the fact that Elon sets incredible goals that are industry changing. He's changed the entire automotive industry. They laughed at him, and now they're all chasing him. So people are going to throw rocks at you for trying to change the world, but at the end of the day, it's the product, stupid. Look at the product. It is transcendent.